Hey homebodies, it's Robin and Molly and we're here to remind you that if you're looking to buy a home or refinance to be sure to check out our platinum sponsor Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Aaron is licensed in Minnesota and Wisconsin and is a top lender in the area. You can find his information on our website homeiswherethemurderis.com in all our show notes and on all of our social media platforms. Again, if you're looking for the best in lending, check out Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Hi, I'm Robin. And I'm Molly. And this is... Home is where the murder is. Happy Monday, everybody. Here we are. It's Monday. Hope everyone had a phenomenal weekend. We did. We sure did. We we, had... we really did. Guess what? It was my birthday weekend. Happy birthday. I'm officially old now, but I'm still younger than Robin. You're a dick. <laughs> so, it's because that's just math. Yeah, okay. She's like younger than me by three months. Yeah. Almost exactly three months. Is it? It's three months and a day. Okay. Yeah, well, still, that's like a quarter a quarter of a year. Whatever. You're annoying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we had a really nice time for your birthday. We went to the Dells. Yep. And I got to tell you, I stress this a lot when we're in the Dells is that I hate the out-of-towners that come into my town. I didn't get that impression at all. No. No. But I feel the whole way here I was thinking about it because I saw more of them on the road and I'm like just getting more heated. I think they just need to be educated. So since we kind of have a platform and a lot of our listeners are from like say Illinois, mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to put it out there. Just hear me out. If you come to the Dells, I get it. It's the water park capital of the world it's got a ton of weird random crap everywhere and it's easy to want to see everything but the problem with that is is as you're driving down the main drag you end up going like 10 miles an hour yeah and you're you're looking around at things which i get and you don't know where you're going and but but just don't keep it moving just don't don't do it if you need to gawk at everything get a freaking uber driver or park and walk a little bit and walk but like i hate and i'm not the only one that hates this all locals hate it we hate that you come to our city we hate that you gawk just if you have to look at everything and you want to take in all the sites you either do it doing the speed limit or you get an uber or you walk yeah there it is putting it out there yep that's it so anyways we were in the dells for Molly's birthday, and it was great. We went, and it the- was full of lies because, oh, y- yeah. yeah, it was a whole thing. There was a whole separate group chat between all of my friends I wasn't a part of. So yeah, so well, okay, so which is know, fine, you which do is know fine. Molly. I, I'm a planner, and I wasn't part yeah. of the plan, so I didn't know any of it was going on. But it was nice, and I loved it, and I appreciated it. And you thank seem a you. little bitter about it. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's good. I loved it's good. it. It's great. I loved. Being I out loved of it. I loved not knowing anything <laughs> yeah. and being lied to and deceit. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was actually well. It's funny because Molly always plans this girl weekend for us, and it's. It's like our little girl group, which is all of us from high school and our friend Dream that lives up north. And we do this. We all live scattered all over the place. So it's really fun. We all can get to come together. And with the last couple of years, we keep trying to put it together. And it's hard because we all have kids and lives and work and, you know, a lot of commitment. So it gets harder, you know. Yeah. So Molly says to me this year, 
I am not planning a girl. Well, I just was like, I'm just not going to try to do it. It's fine. Well, you were. You don't make it sound like you were some sweet, innocent gal. You were mad. I'm not planning a girls' weekend. I'm just not doing it this year. Well, I mean, it's more or less because like I'm so busy too. It's just like I couldn't imagine trying yeah. to do it. It's just yeah. So it's it, not doing it this year. So I said. right at that moment, I was like, well, I'll do it then. And yeah. so we planned it for a birthday, and we couldn't get everybody together. No, but we got a good. A lot. We did. We got a lot of people, and it was really fun. And we yeah. got to. We got to do a lot of different things, and it was relaxing. We don't – Molly and I work a lot, so we don't get a lot of yeah. time off. So it was nice to, like, put our phones away and our computers and – For the most part. There was a few work well, things, but know, not much. Yeah, we have that every now and then. Very but, minimal. But it was really nice to be able to go out and just yeah. relax a little bit. It was good. So, ourselves. yes, thank you Yeah, again. so, yeah, happy birthday. It was really nice yeah. spending it with you. So yeah. I know you could have been with anybody else, but you – well, I, you didn't choose to stay with me. <laughs> you didn't choose I chose it. to, I chose I to steal you. you. I yeah. took you. It's funny because I can say this because I know your husband doesn't listen, but I'd be like, ha I stole your wife from me for the yeah, weekend. You sure so. did. But yeah. So but yeah, it was good. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yep, and I did. And I hope you it all had awesome. a wonderful weekend as well. Yeah. And we wanted uh, to give some shout outs though yes. because we, um, I have a, a niece and a nephew, so Tate and Riley Schmack. So they don't actually listen to the podcast, but they saw our picture up on um, my sister-in-law's, like, screen in the car, in the van, and they recognize that it's, you know, us on the picture, and they think it's really cool that we have a podcast. So we wanted to give them a shout-out. So this is for Tate and Riley. Um, So, yeah. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome, and we love you, and... Yeah, someday when you're old enough and you can listen. Yeah, you'll, yeah. Then, you'll, then all of a sudden you'll realize what we've been doing. And yeah. You'll be like, wow, oh, that's my aunt and her best friend. Cool. Yep, yep, that's, yep, yeah. yep. So yeah, this is what we do. So, but you can just listen to the intro yep. and not listen to all the details of this. So yeah. And I have a shout out too. I got the coolest text message today from our current Mrs. Wisconsin, Andrea Bender, who's actually packing her bags as we speak because she's off to nationals. That's so good. So she's going to be running for Mrs. America um, in the next 10 days. So it's like it's a long process. Yeah. I believe. uh, Well, actually, I think. Yeah, I think they go a little bit earlier. And then I think the pageant actually is the weekend of the 21st. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. We have a Miss Wisconsin, a Mrs. Wisconsin, and a Mrs. Wisconsin going. There's three different categories. And anyway, so Andrea reached out to me today letting me know that she had referred our podcast to someone. Someone she works with. And her name is Cha-Cha. She's an ER nurse, so thank you for what you do. Yeah, but that's she, not an easy job. She messaged Andrea telling her, telling her that she really likes our podcast, and we love to hear that. So I wanted to let her know, well, we love you for listening. So Cha-Cha, thank you so much for listening. Please tell all your friends. We love having you as a listener. And if you have any suggestions for podcasts, please reach out to us directly. Um, all of our contact information is on the show notes. Yep, and I wanted to say thank you to um, – Last week's podcast was a little hard for me because of Charlie passing. So I wanted to say thank you for the love and, you know, um, support from that. That was a hard one for me. Probably was a little, I know, <laughs> I was a little off last week. Well, I we didn't, also I didn't give talking a, about a really shitty human yeah, too. So I didn't give a weather update and I didn't tell oh, you about my garden. Yeah, people um, actually 
commented yeah. on the fact that they haven't gotten their weather updates. And I'm so, like, okay, is that what we are now? Yeah. Okay. So if you don't mind, real quick. I will. So today's a very rainy day. It's very interesting because today's like going to be only a high of like the mid-60s. And by the end of the week, it's going to be like 90 again, which I am not happy about. <laughs> I am not okay with this. I am ready for fall. I am over the hot weather, although this is the last week that the pool is open in Mount Horb and I do want to get the boys there like a time or two again quick this week because I paid for a pool pass and dang it I'm going to use it. So, um so I guess I need it to be warmer, but whatever. Uh but yeah, I am I'm just over the hot humidity. I want to have the windows open. I want it to be crisp. I want it to be cool. I am done with the summer and the school's going to be starting and I want it to be fall and I want the cozy. <laughs> I want the apples. I want the pumpkin spice. I want the crisp leaves. I want that. And that's just that's I just how wish it is. You guys could see her right now. My eyes are her shut. Eyes are closed. <laughs> My hands are moving. I'm Bob Ross. It is the funniest thing. Yeah. I, <laughs> just she just went somewhere. Again. I did. And then um, my garden's doing good. We're get, starting to get our tomatoes. And I have a lot of different varieties of tomatoes, too. My dad plants more of the traditional kind. So I kind of plant some different varieties because I know I'll get a lot from him. Our friend Danielle's garden is popping, though. Oh. So if you need some veggies, hit yeah, us up seriously. if you're in the area. She doesn't know what to do with all of these I got veggies. so many cucumbers, I'm going to start selling them as sex toys. Ooh. Tate and Riley, cover your ears. Oh, God. <laughs> Can we, Robin. Okay, we need to alert Dana. To yeah. End, end <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. Um, I'm going to make my mom's cucumber salad, I think, mm, this yeah, week. Yeah, it's super good. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so there's that. And I also wanted to say um, thank you to Jerrica for sending the beautiful wind chime in oh, memory yeah. of Charlie, too. So she sweet. lost her puppy. And Jerrica um, has bats. <sighs> Jerrica has bats in her house. Which is kind of um, <laughs> spooky and Halloween-y. Yeah. Well, it was funny because she messaged me and said this weekend and goes, remember how you told me something bad was going to happen no matter what we did in our house, like something was going to happen in the first couple of weeks? I'm like, yeah, something bad always happens, whether it's yep. an appliance going or, you know, you find something. Well, she found something. Bats. <laughs> she found bats. She sends Which me a picture. bats are important to the ecosystem, but I really hate bats. Here's the two types of realtors that Jerrica was dealing with. She has me who was like, nope, get those fucking things out of here. Not happening. I burn the house down. Molly goes, oh, they're good with mosquitoes. They, they eat all the mosquitoes <laughs> and we don't like those. So it's just so funny how... Two people that are, we I think we are very similar in a lot of ways. We also are so different. So it's so funny. That's why I think we work so well together on the podcast and, and in real estate and everything else we do. Yeah. But it's because there are completely two different views constantly coming from us. Yeah. And it's so funny. So, Jer yep. yeah. So I think Jerrica took my advice and she's burning the house down. Well, so we'll be helping her find a new house soon. <laughs> so, yeah. I put the bats there. She did it. So <laughs> I, I missed ploy. house hunting with them. Yeah. So. No, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry about that, Jerrica, but uh, you still do have a very beautiful house, and I'm sorry about your bats. But thanks for listening. Hi, Trevor. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get started on this story. Yeah. Are you ready that for was this? a lot of updates yeah, from so, us. So, sorry. Yes. Thanks for hanging out. For the in babbling there. brooks yeah. of our mouths. Babbling and... brooks. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing another serial killer because we know I just cannot. You love a serial killer. I do. I do. So, yeah, and oh, Robin and Robin did the story this week. I just wasn't in the right mind space oh, yeah. this week no. to research and so do. I apologize. So if you're looking forward to hearing Molly talk, that you're going to have to go Sorry, next week. Sorry, next but, week. Um, also, that's, this totally just reminded me, we forgot 
to announce the winner of our serial killer. We sure did. So we'll do poster. that. On I have it. Our Facebook lot. We'll do a quick we'll do a Facebook, Facebook live. live. Okay, we'll do a Facebook live. Yep. Okay. So uh, yeah, I have it in the car with me. Yep. So whoever won it, we'll figure out how we're gonna get. Whoever it to you. won it will win it, and we'll get it. But and we'll do it. Yeah. So. That is going to be drawn after this then, okay? Yep. Great. Perfect. So I am covering another serial killer, as I stated. This is serial killer Craig Price. Haven't we run out of serial killers now, by now? There's so many. Have oh, you seen so my... There's so many. I have serial killer books. I know. Books. I'm joking. Okay. I, I obviously know there's a lot. I just... Yeah. And there's this a is, lot of messed up there, people. This one, again, is going to have death of children. So, Trigger warning. Just letting you know right now, I do. I know you're probably thinking, God, that's all she ever does is death of children. Well, it's not my fault they killed the kids, okay? I Yeah. We're going to get to each case eventually. So this is where I was. This is what I chose to do, and you're just going to have to suck it up. And if you don't like it, then leave. I don't care. Okay. Well, we kind of, I mean, we'd like you to stay, but if it's hard to listen to, then we'll see you next week. Sugar and spice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get started. Craig Chandler Price. He was born on October 11th, 1973, to John and Shirley Price. One of three children in the home, both of his parents went to work each day at the local Kmart. His father was the manager and his mother worked in a clerical role. Both were in higher roles than most people of color at that time. In fact, they lived in a community that was less than 1% African American. So mm. having those jobs was pretty great yeah, for them. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yep. Through the racial tension, they were able to raise their family in a nice, modest home and provide them a good life. Through numerous reports and statements, it seemed as though Craig Price had a happy, normal childhood with a very close family. His former teachers even mentioned that he was always the first to help out a neighbor in need and had a very fun, comedic personality. And I did read from a couple different statements in newspapers that he was always seen helping people carry their groceries in, or mowing people's lawns if they couldn't get them done. So, very nice young man. So they thought. Uh, he achieved good grades in school and had a lot of interest in football and basketball. All seemed to be going very well for Price until he was about nine years old when he began to have dark thoughts. He was vocal about these thoughts as he would often ask questions, but he seemed to have become obsessed with death and even murder. This was approximately when things began to go downhill for the once polite young man. Now, I know I talk about murder a lot, but I'm also a yeah. grown-ass woman and well, I have my reasons. Well, it's different, yeah. You know, for a kid to be doing that, I think that's kind of weird. But mm -hmm. as I was reading it, the part where I said, but he seemed to have become obsessed with death and even murder. And I'm like, is that what other people think of me? Yeah, but yeah. it's different. Molly. No, I'm saying, yeah. but yeah, but it's different. <laughs> I know. Like. Yeah. But it, it does kind of like make me laugh because I've had I've brought up serial killers on first dates all the time and then I never hear from them again. So maybe it's that's just weeding them out. Yep. Anyway, by the time Price was 13 years old, he had already had a very long rap sheet. Charges for robbery, drugs, breaking and entering, stalking and assault. During this time, he had joined a gang and had a huge growth spurt that made him much bigger than the other kids his age. He was using marijuana very frequently and dabbled in LSD. Even though he had been getting into trouble, neighbors still saw him as the good kid. He was a good kid who was just making bad choices. They all anticipated he would grow out of it because he was so kind to them. That was until a crime in the neighborhood would shock this close-knit community. On July 27, 1987, Rebecca, also known as Becky Spencer, 
A single mother of two was in the process of packing up her rental home, which was located at 60 Inez, that's I-N-E-Z, Inez Avenue in Warwick, two houses down from where the Price family lived. She was finding it difficult to get the house packed up with her eight-year-old son and four-year-old daughter in the home. Yeah, that's hard. Right? Yeah. So her ex-husband came to pick them up for the day, as he had been doing throughout the week to help her out. Becky spent the day packing with her brother and her friend, only stopping around 6 p.m. to make dinner. Around 8.30 p.m., her brother left for work, and then her, boy- her friend's boyfriend came over to help. Once they had gotten pretty much everything done, they went out for ice cream. They returned home around 11 p.m., and both the friend and her boyfriend and the friend's boyfriend left around midnight. Becky got into some PJs and laid down on the floor to watch some TV before finally falling asleep. In the very early hours of the morning, Craig Price found his way into Rebecca's home and he found her asleep on the floor. He went into the kitchen where he intended on grabbing a frying pan, but instead saw a 10-inch kitchen knife lying on the counter. He went back into the living room and stood over Rebecca for several minutes, just watching her sleep. Finally, he bent down and began to violently stab her. She was attacked so aggressively that she didn't even have time to scream. When finished, finished, finished. My Wisconsin accent and my big tongue, I tell you what. Yeah. When finished, he exited the home as he had entered and went back to his house. It, would be un- it wouldn't be until morning that Becky's brother would return home from work and find his sister lying in a pool of blood. Hmm. He immediately called 911, but it was too late. Yeah. He tried CPR even though he knew she was gone. He just didn't want to accept that his sister was dead. I'm sure she was dead long dead. I know we say this all the time, but can you imagine? Like. Yeah. Oh, just to be like, do-do-do, coming home from work, and your house is packed up. You're planning on a new chapter. Yeah. No. No. I cannot. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And but you know, luckily her kids weren't there. I know. Well, yes. Luckily her kids weren't there. So he, let me, Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Police immediately created a perimeter around the home and began their investigation. However, the crime scene would turn up no evidence or leads and eventually the case went cold. Craig Price was never even considered a suspect and people believed that was because at the time of the murder, he was only 13 years old. Wow. He was 13 when he did that to her. That's nuts. That is. Two years would go by and Price had not killed since he took Becky's life. In fact, he had entered high school and was actually doing pretty well for himself. That was until he began to get the urge to kill again. He began searching for his next victim and he would settle on the occupants of 92 Metropolitan Drive in Warwick. Joan and John eat. Ooh, what was that name again? <laughs> I just—that's a weird name. I just wish I could go through one podcast where I don't botch something. I—it will never happen. Okay, so great names are hard. Well, because is, the sad part is though, these are the two of the easiest names you're ever going to hear in your life. Well, Joan and John, Joan and John Heaton. See, I did it again. John, Joan and John Heaton. Okay, you did it. You know why it is? It's because usually I put the man's name first, and then I put the wives, and I have them backwards here, and I think that's throwing me for a loop, because I want to say John and Jean, but it's... See, I said Jean, not Joan. You did. You guys. Okay, try again. Okay. 
Joan and John Heaton were married when they were in their 20s and went on to have two daughters, Jennifer, because why not more J's? Yeah. She was born in 1979, and Melissa was born in 1981. The family appeared to be happy and what you could describe as the perfect American family. However, that would all change on June 19, 1983, when John Heaton killed himself. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't find a like, why. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. He was a sergeant, but I was not. I think it was a sergeant in a police officer, but I couldn't find anywhere if it was military. But I think it was police. So maybe he's just been through Saw some, some things. stuff. So. Yeah. He left behind his wife and his daughters. They were distraught and unable to move on in their current town. Joan decided that the girls deserved a fresh start. So they started settled in the small town of Warwick, Rhode Island. Unfortunately, they would move right into the neighborhood of Craig Price and face the same fate as Becky Spencer. Oh. I know. I know. Uh. On September 1st, 1989, 15-year-old Price smoked some marijuana laced with LSD and through a daze, he stared blankly at Joan Heaton's house. Soon, the urge to kill would consume him and he made his way into the home. He walked into the kitchen where a set of knives sat on the counter. Joan had just bought them that day, which makes it just a little bit creepier. It's like you just bought those and right, and then you're and then yeah, and again, this is why I hide my knives. Do it? Did I tell you I do that? No. Yeah, I hide my knives. Yeah, always. They're hidden in somewhere in the house, not necessarily even in the kitchen. So if you're planning on breaking in and gonna stab me, but you didn't bring your own stuff, good luck. I'll hear you looking for the knives. Anyway, there's a tip for you. <laughs> Get looking when you walk through the door. (laughs) While moving around her kitchen, he awoke 39-year-old Joan, who was upstairs sleeping. She went downstairs to see what was going on. When she saw the large man, because remember, he was large for his age. Big guy. He's a big kid. Yep. In her kitchen, she screamed. Price was afraid the neighbors would hear, so he lunged at her and threw all his body weight on her. He strangled her until she was quiet. Unsure if she was dead, he began to stab her, and through a rage, he stabbed her 57 times. It's a lot. Yeah. During the commotion, Joan's daughters were awoken. Yeah. 10-year-old Jennifer went downstairs to check on her mother. When she came face to face with Price. I just, re- I just realized I wrote the sentence twice. Sorry. Oh. So 10-year-old Jennifer went downstairs to check on her mother when she came face-to-face with Price. He immediately grabbed her and began stabbing her. She screamed out to her sister to call the police, but her screams wouldn't last long. Price stabbed her 62 times and probably would have kept going if it wasn't for the fact that he saw 8-year-old Melissa running towards the phone in the kitchen. She would never get to the phone to call for help. Police stabbed police. God. I, hope, I hope they didn't. Help me police price oh good the police didn't come (laughs) stabbing the the police didn't do it price stabbed her 37 times and finished his destruction by smashing in her skull with a kitchen stool oh my gosh i know eight years old after his killing spree was over he let himself out and walked through the neighbor neighboring yards to get home well he had to be like covered in blood though too Uh uh-huh yeah that had to be an interesting sight. Right. Because this is the well, middle, middle of day. Of, no, this is at night. Oh, this they was at night. Okay. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. It I missed that. That's okay. That I'm sure a lot of people are missing things because my, my words aren't coming out okay. properly today. So everyone's going to be like, Robin, I couldn't understand you. And I'll be like, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No. 
You're great. Aw, thanks. It wouldn't be until three days later that family members would grow concerned that they had not heard from the family. Three days. So remember, they moved to a completely different area. And uh, they didn't have, the kids weren't in school yet. I guess, yeah. So, yeah, there was nothing to, yeah. And then, and, and I guess she was calling, like, every third day or so back to family. So it wasn't until they hadn't heard from her that they were like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. So Joan's sister, Mary Lou, and the mother, Mary, Marie, drove to Joan's new home to check on them. Upon arrival, they see Joan's car in the driveway, but no one came to the door when they knocked. So they walked around the back of the house to find the back door unlocked. They made their way inside and immediately saw blood everywhere. Terrified but determined to find them, they walked down the hall where they found Joan's body covered with a sheet. They then found Jennifer's body a short distance away from her mother and Melissa's body in the kitchen. They immediately ran out of the house and called police. It's interesting that they wouldn't call police to do like a welfare check or something before they went there. I don't know. I don't think I would. If I couldn't get a hold of you, I think I'd come looking for you first. Yeah. I I don't know. My personality is like I I don't want to jump to conclusions on something. I I guess. I don't know. So that could have been it. And and this was also in that time period where people were always going missing, like, you know, runaways and it was a 70s, 80s kind of thing. So I don't know. People just kind of went away for a little while and did things and they weren't checking in as much as we are always checking in with. Like now if I go a day without posting something on Facebook, people are like, are you sick? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit just a little bit of a different time. So sure. Yeah. So. Oh. You know, and I bet you, if you can hear my mic and you can hear me, like, knocking things, well, it's just that I I keep getting stuck on the sticky stuff. My hair keeps getting stuck on the sticky stuff. Oh, and yours is falling down. It's great. We have to redo our podcast tent. I think we say that every time. We do. Anyway, so they called the police. They came over, and panic immediately uh, comes over the residents of Warwick, Rhode Island, because now there's, in the past two years, two gruesome murders, okay? Yeah. Two home invasions that led to women being murdered. It didn't take investigators long to realize that the murders of the Heaton family and Becky Spencer were done by the same person. They had a serial killer on their hands. This realization, and not having many leads or a murder weapon, called for the big guns. Detectives called in the world's most sought-after forensic scientist, Dr. Henry Lee. So he took the knife with him each time, too? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and so he, and I haven't gotten to this part yet, <clears throat> But in the second murders, the second house, he used more than one knife. Okay. And I wasn't clear if he used more than one knife in the first one, but there's a chance of that as well. Yeah. So Dr. Lee has worked some famous cases, most after the crimes of Craig Price. Cases like the murder of John Benet Ramsey. Oh. The O.J. Simpson trial. Oh. The Lacey Peterson case. Okay. And the Washington, D.C. sniper shootings. Oh. So this guy's done some, done some shit. During Lee's investigation, he found a men-sized 13-footprint in the blood. It appeared to be a footprint with just a sock on, no shoe, and no one in the house was, was that size. So they, Yep. So they determined it belonged to the killer. Another heavy hitter the police brought in was Special Agent Greg McCrary, who was an expert profiler. He determined that these acts of violence and murder were frantic and that the murderer expressed rage and anger during his killings. He also stated that during these rage killings, there was a very good chance he had cut himself during the process. 
they should be on the lookout for someone with a bandaged hand. So that's kind of cool that a profiler can, like, take everything they see there and, like, create. I wonder how he would determine that. It could just, just maybe with history of people that stab this many times and how maybe yeah. it's just common that they somehow get themselves. Because I've heard that in other cases, too. So yeah. maybe that's just part of his knowledge. I don't know. So Yeah. A couple days go by and two officers are patrolling the streets when they come across Craig Price. They knew the youth well due to his juvenile crimes, but also because he would frequently attend the police-sponsored youth events in the community. They stopped to chat with him to see if he had heard any talk on the street about the murders. Immediately, they noticed his bandaged hand and asked him what happened. Price tells them he got mad and punched a car window. Not surprised, they went back to their car and headed towards the station. Upon arrival, they had a gut feeling something just wasn't right with his story. They checked their systems for reports of vandalized cars, but couldn't find any. Then they took a deeper dive into his history and saw the burglary and stalking charges against him. Within minutes, the two officers felt that Price should be considered a suspect in these murders. However, they didn't act on these suspicions right away because he was only 15 years old. Well, and I mean, and I get it because like, what do you really, what uh-huh. else do you really have to go on other than right. he has an injured hand? Right, right, exactly. I mean, there isn't any other evidence necessarily. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 15 so years that's old, hard. Like, why would you think? Well, right, yeah. and he has an injured hand. Yeah, so. And that was just one and guy saying. Had, and they knew he had anger issues yeah. based off his record, so they're like, oh, him punching a car window, yeah, that right. makes sense. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, that's not a lot for them to go on. So, yeah, they didn't act on it because he, had, he was 15 years old at the time, and he would have been 13 years old at the time of Becky Spencer's murder. So they just couldn't wrap their heads around a yeah. kid doing these things. Which I get. I mean, yeah, that I, is hard to. Yeah. I mean, he's a big kid, though, which is another. He's like an adult-sized yep, kid. exactly. But still, it's, it's hard to. Yeah. Yep. So, but as fate would have it, days later, a friend of Price's called police and told them that Price had been bragging about committing Becky Spencer's murder and how he got away with it. Oh, well, that'll that'll do it, though. Mm-hmm. That was all they needed to obtain a search warrant. <laughs> that Well, that, that'll, that changes things it a does. bit. It does, yep. On September 17th, 1989, Warwick police began searching the Price home. Price awoke to the police turning the place upside down, but it didn't seem to bother him one bit. He just rolled over and went back to sleep. Could not be bothered with the fact that his home was being... His, family home was being turned upside down because he was a suspect in a murder he's a growing kid he's very tired i guess but like the arrogance just annoys me yeah so officers were just about to leave the property after hours of searching the home and finding nothing when an officer pointed out that there was a shed in the back it was here in a plastic bag that investigators found bloody clothes knives and gloves their smoking gun in that bag was the bloody sock from the footprint in the heat and crime scene. Oh. Mm-hmm. They immediately arrested 15-year-old Craig Price. Since he was a minor, his mother was allowed to ride with him to the station, and she cried the entire way there. I'm sure. But Craig showed absolutely zero emotion for his mother and for what he was being charged for. Yeah, I mean, which isn't surprising considering what mm-hmm. he did. He just obviously there wasn't something there's right just, going a on disconnect up there. there yeah. For sure. Once police began questioning Price, he had no problem with talking about his anger and where it stemmed from. He flat out said that it was it was his anger came from racism. 
He said that one day he was playing in the street with his friends when a man pulled up and called them the N-word. This enraged Price, and he vowed to get revenge on the man. So for days, he watched the man come and go from 60 Inez Avenue, the same house where Becky Spencer lived. The man who allegedly called the boys the N-word was Rebecca's brother, Carl. Price claims he killed Rebecca to get back at Carl. However, Carl says this incident never happened. He remembers seeing the boys playing, but never even said a word to them. I don't know who to believe there. I mean, either way, it shouldn't murder someone. You don't, but like, right. But it's like, uh, if, if, I mean, it's Carl's word versus his. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, Carl, so I don't know. But that's what, that's what was, it. that's what happened. Carl says he didn't do it, and Craig says he did. Right. So, it is what it is. The point is, Becky Spencer lost her life. So, right. And it sucks. So Price detailed his crimes by saying this. In regards to Becky Spencer, he had gone over earlier in the night when his family went to bed. He jumped the fence and noticed her car was not in the driveway, so he left. He went home, got high, and returned to the later in the early hours of that morning. He peeped through her windows and saw the TV on and Rebecca lying on the floor with a blanket on her. At that moment, he decided he was going to kill her. He was able to describe her house and the things he saw, which solidified his confession. In regards to the Heaton family, he had no other reason to kill them except that he just wanted to. He described strangling Joan to make her quiet, and he also described how the young girls screamed and begged for their lives as he stabbed them over and over again. Ugh. He also explained that he had to hit Melissa with the stool because the knife had broken off in the eight-year-old's neck. Oh. Uh Sorry, everybody. That's awful. Yeah. So even though he was 15 at the time, he's a complete monster. Yeah. So by the time Price's trial, which was also in 1989, he had turned 16 years old. Still a juvenile, and due to state law at the time, he was only sentenced to five years in a juvenile facility. That's crazy. Yeah. Per the law, you can't be held there after you turn 21. So if he would have killed them... What, when he was 17? He would have only gotten a few years then? Yeah. Like, So, he would then be released, um, and his criminal record history would also be sealed. So, it's like getting off scot-free from murdering four people. However, Price was not a model prisoner, and this led to authorities making changes with his sentence. I was going to say, I can't imagine that he... Oh. He had rage. I mean, he had... Anger yeah. issues. Like, I can't imagine that pr- prison was a good place for him. Well, so he was in a juvenile facility. So well, not was, prison, but yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he was, uh, so he was taken to another facility where he was to undergo mental health treatment programs. Price was unwilling to comply with all attempts by doctors and prison staff, so he was left untreated and listed as uncooperative. On top of this, the public was not happy with his extremely short sentence just because of his age. Yeah. Obviously, he was capable of extremely violent adult crimes. Why should he be treated like a child when the crime was that of an adult? And he looked like one, too. Right. This would lead to the O'Neill Bill being passed in 1990 that would harden punishments for juvenile offenders of extreme crimes. Yeah. However, it wouldn't be enough to keep Price behind bars after he turned 21 years old. They were able to mandate that he receive psychological treatment, which luckily for the community... He refused to participate in. 
He was held in contempt of court, and during his court hearing for the charge, he threatened to kill a correctional officer and vowed that he would kill again. This threat landed him 15 years in prison. Good. Thank God. That's, yeah, but man. Luckily again for the community, his rage continued to flutter throughout his time in jail, which has kept him behind bars. Here's what he's been up to. In 1996, he received one additional year for biting the finger of an officer. Just bit it. Yep. Yep. 97, Craig was charged with contempt for not, again, for not complying with the psychological mandates ordered by the court. So he just would not get treatment programs. Yeah. 99 and 2000, he verbally and physically attacked another officer and received four additional years to his sentence. And in 2017, he attacked fellow inmate Joshua Davis with a shank and received 25 additional years. Good. If Price were to change his tune and become a model citizen, he could see release in around 2042 at the age of 74. He is currently serving his sentence at the Florida State Penitentiary. Becky was buried at the Glenwood Cemetery in East Greenwich. Greenwich or Greenwich? Greenwich, I think. Okay. Greenwich, Rhode Island. Joan, Jennifer, and Melissa were all laid to rest together at the Rhode Island Veterans Memorial Cemetery in Exeter, Rhode Island. Now, let's talk about the houses. So, I think, based on what I'm reading, I don't see this guy ever getting out. No. Which is super sad in the sense of you think, like, you were so young, you threw your whole life away, all because of your anger. You're angry. Meanwhile, the state is trying to give you programs to help you. Like, I think it was more than he was angry, though. There's something else there. Well, yeah, but... I, that's his... I mean, that's him saying that he, he was angry. Well, and his track record, though, shows that he's yes. just angry. Like, yeah. he's just attacking everyone, and he's just an asshole. Right. But it's just There's like... There's something wrong chemically yeah. in his brain. There has to be, because he yeah. grew up in a happy home. And, and even if racism was a factor... Like, there's a detective. Okay, so there's a really good YouTube video. I actually, and it's quick. It's a a news station investigated this, and there's a quick YouTube video. I think it's, like, maybe 10 minutes long. And I listened to it on my way here, and this the detective that worked this case is like, nope, it's not racism. He's just an asshole. He's just bad. He's just angry. He's just, Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't use that. He doesn't necessarily call him an asshole, but I do. Yeah. But, you know, and then there's tapes of him, confession, his confession to this. Which I was going to play some, but it's a long 10-minute news thing, and I would have to stop it and start it. and So I didn't do it, but if you, I will post the link, and you guys can listen to his confession. And what's sad about it is he, he sits there just monotoned, saying, yep, I stabbed the, this girl, these girls, and I knew I was going to kill them, all this. Just so casual and showing no remorse meanwhile his mother is sitting right next to him crying just crying just sobbing yeah like you are a monster like i just i don't get it like you grew up in a good family you were a good student you everyone thought you were a kind person something happened where he was a cute kid he was a cute kid i saw pictures i'm like he reminds me of okay you know in hook the little chubby boy that, yeah. Oh my God. That's who he looked like. He was adorable. Huh. And I'm like, and then he grew up and he looks like a, he would have been a good looking dude. And it's like, dude, what? What why? happened? It's just sad. It makes me angry. But, um, and then yeah, he took the lives of two fucking kids and two moms. Yeah. So it's just makes, it, the whole thing makes me angry. Yeah. Obviously, that's why 
That's why we're here. That's why I'm here, so I can tell you about all the things that make me angry. So let's talk about the houses. Now, I'm going to tell you about the two houses where the murders happened, but I'm also going to tell you about the house that he lived in because okay. I have that address because this all happened in one neighborhood, you guys. So That poor neighborhood, too. I know. And it's a cute neighborhood, by the way. The houses, I did some research, they're cute. Like, I would love to live here. I can't believe I just said that. Okay. Well, well I'm sure it's, it's a nice neighborhood, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of weird when you say, oh, I'd love to live there when you're, you know, talking about murder. Yeah, well, he's gone now, so. So let's talk about the house where Becky was killed. So she lived at 60 Inez Avenue in Warwick, Rhode Island. Now, this was a rental, so she didn't own it, and she was happening to be moving out a couple days later. This is a three-bedroom, one-bath rent. Rent? Rent. You rent it. It's a three-bed, one-bath ranch. Uh, 1,477 square feet, and it was built in 1955, and it's super cute. I'm going to post pictures because it's really cute. So a little bit about the um, sale history here. I do not have anything from when the murder happened in 1987. Um, the earliest sale record that I could find was in 1997. Now, this is very interesting. So 10 years after the murder... It gets it's sold for sixty five thousand dollars. Okay, then they try selling it again. So sixty five thousand dollars in ninety seven. That's pretty low. That's so that. low. So I wonder if maybe the murder had, had still played a price or in that neighborhood. Yeah, too. played a factor in the fact that it's because it's in that neighborhood yeah. and everyone mm-hmm. knew about it. I don't know, but uh, in in two thousand one, it was put it back on the market. They would not share the list price, so I don't know what was going on there. Huh. And then happened again in 2003. So still doesn't look like it was sold, but it's being put on the market, but then taken back down. So in February 19th, 2003, they listed it at an unknown price. And then four days later, they removed it from the market. So that's interesting. Hmm. Then happens again in August, or I'm sorry, in 2004, July 30th, 2004, listed at an unknown price, removed two weeks later. For no reason. It makes no sense. And then a month after that, it's sold privately for $230,000 off the market. Why? What's going on? What was there? Weird. Yeah. So I don't know. So then it was sold again in 2008 for $130,000. So $100,000 less than the person who bought it in 2004 weird that was during that weird market time yeah so 2004 was yep or when what you said 2000 to 2008 was when it sold for yeah for one hundred thirty thousand dollars. so a hundred thousand less than what they bought that it was so that everything sucks. so whoever bought it for 230 that sucks for you and then so that was then again bought in 2008 in 2010 same thing happens again puts it on the market doesn't disclose the price re- removed a couple weeks later don't know why uh, 2013. Put on the market. It sits on the market for quite a while. They aren't disclosing the price on that one either. It just sits on the market until they remove the listing. So that's in 2013. Uh, changed the price a couple times. Puts back on the market in uh, October 2014. That's when it sold for 165000 So now we're going back up again. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's very weird. 2014, 165. So then it gets weirder again. 
it sold for um it was listed at 184 dropped down to 174 sold for 165 then in 20 oh i'm sorry i apologize so then in 2016 they tried to sell it again but it never sold and it's so as of right now i show that that property has never been sold since 2014 for 165 however the current value of it is three hundred sixty thousand seven hundred ninety dollars that's quite a difference yeah but what a weird yeah right all over the darn place so i don't know if the murder necessarily played a role in that but it makes you wonder that if people know about the history they well and i just was curious too so i just looked up so rhode island does not require the disclosure of death on the property Mm. um but i mean obviously people people in the area know know, but if people are coming from out of town or something you know maybe they don't know well that's what i wonder about how it got sold so quickly again Mm -hmm. is if maybe like because there was one uh, murder we did where somebody bought it and then they found out shortly after that yeah what had happened and they were like oh crap yeah so i wonder if maybe that plays a, a role in it as well so but yeah so that's that's where becky becky was murdered so then we talk about the house where the heaton family was murdered again super cute house this was a four bedroom two bath ranch 1765 square feet Built in 1955, so very similar to the that other home as well. Yep. yep. So this one does not have a lot of sale history. In fact, there's not a single listing outside of 2011 and 2013, but they didn't disclose the prices that it was at. Huh. So that I can't give you a whole lot of sale history on that one. I can tell you the value of it currently, though, is about $397,960. So about $400,000 the home is worth. And... um. Yeah, it just looks like if it has been sold, it's only been sold once, according to, at least on the market. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that's a tough one. Like, you know, like, if you don't want, after what happened, and I don't blame people for not wanting it to be public, so. Yeah. And that's something I do see a lot when I'm looking up murders. Houses are kind of sold off off the the market. Off the book. Yeah, so. (laughs) So then let's talk about where Craig Price grew up. So he grew up at 76 Inez Avenue in Warwick, Rhode Island. This is a three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,200-square-foot home, also a ranch built in 1955. So that's pretty much, you know, the subdivision. It's all built in 1955. And this one has a little bit of sale history for it. So back in 2002, it was put on the market. It ended up selling for 165 very similar to the one uh, that Becky was killed in. Um, they did try telling, selling it in 2006, but um, it didn't sell. So in 2007, it did sell for $254,000, which, again, was right about the time that the market crashed. But right before, right, I'm sorry, right before. Yeah. So then it's like, okay. So, uh, and that is where, that was it. So the 2007 is the last sale that we currently have on this, according to our records. Yeah. Um, the value of the home now, though, is about $386,000. So, you know the 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 neighborhood itself seems to be doing well. Yeah, with with the it sale sounds prices, like it. It sounds like a nice neighborhood. It looks like a nice neighborhood. So it, it part of the reason too is you know to see some um, these kind of gruesome murders happen in such a neighborhood like this. It's kind of like I wouldn't expect that to ever happen where we live. You right, know? but it can. It can hundred percent. But it's just like one of those things. I look at these photos and I'm like. Wow. Right? So. It's crazy. But yeah, very cute houses. Sad, 
sad cases, but yeah. Um, and the scariest part to me is that at any time he could change his tune and convince the parole board to let him out of jail. Yeah. So I hope he doesn't. And I, but because he I, I, yeah doesn't deserve it. So well, he obviously hasn't been a very good uh model. Um, you know, a prisoner, model, prisoner, model prisoner. No. I was going to say a model criminal, which obviously. Oh, he's a very good criminal. He's a very, very good at being a criminal. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's the, the story of Craig Price, who's a complete dick and murdered the Heaton family and Becky Spencer. So. Yep. Well, nice job. Thanks. Yeah. I hope you all really enjoyed my sad story today. Yeah. It's too bad that he messed up his life so early I in life. I know. And I feel bad for his family, too, because no I can't admit, like, his siblings and his parents. I did see yeah. that. I, if I read this correctly, his mom did pass away, and I, uh, I'm just I can't even imagine what that yeah. woman went through. So yeah, just sadness overall, especially for the community too. So. Yeah, that had to be hard on the entire that whole area. Yep. So, man. Well, all right. Well, you guys uh, know the routine. If you need to get a hold of us, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Home is where the murder is. Our website www.homeiswherethemurderis.com. Or you can send us an email at homeiswherethemurderis at gmail.com. Yep. We're on all the all the things. Sure are. So don't tweet us, though. Well, we we're not doing the tweet we thing. We don't tweet. It's not really our thing. Even though she's a bird. Stop it. She doesn't like birds. Oh, they're the worst. So don't tweet. They're like, it's that Alfred Hitchcock movie. That's it. Ruined it. All right. Well, have a great week, everybody. And we will see you next Monday. Yeah, we will.